0: Welcome everybody to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs, and I'm your host. Prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs, and I'm happy to help everyone with the same thing here on the podcast. I want to welcome our guests and our policy here on Just Dow It is not to dox people. We'll let them choose how to dox themselves. So, why don't you uh, introduce yourself for the audience?
1: Yeah, I'm Sky. I uh, am a contributor in the DAO space. I've been doing that full time for a few years now. Some of the DAOs I contribute to are DXDAO, Metacartel, Cartel, um, DAO House, and a few others. And you can find me around the DAO space in the Ethereum ecosystem.
0: So we're going to call you Sky. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so uh, up first is the Just Dow It news report, and uh, I am going to go through a summary of some recent news about DAOs, and uh, we'll ask Sky for his comments, and then we'll turn to an interview for the second half of the podcast. Here we go. The Just Dow It news report. First story is from Coinbase, a message from Coinbase CEO and co-founder Brian Armstrong. I'm going to read the first paragraph. Today I'm making the difficult decision to reduce the size of our team by about 18% to ensure we stay healthy during this economic downturn. I want to walk you through why I'm making this decision below, but first I want to start by trying, taking accountability for how we got here. I am the CEO and the buck stops with me. Okay, so this is the CEO of Coinbase announcing an 18% layoff of the company now this story doesn't directly relate to DAOs. It's really the story of what's happening in crypto and Web three today, which is uh, just the market getting absolutely destroyed, along with the market um, getting destroyed outside of crypto as well. And uh, the question I want to ask uh, for the two of us is, um, what does this mean for crypto, first of all? And also, um, you know, part of what Brian talks about in the article is that they scaled too fast. And that's one of the reasons now they have to make the layoff, and I wonder if DAOs have a similar problem. So first of all, I'll answer the question myself. You know, I think um, obviously there's a huge downturn happening in the market today in crypto. Obviously, it's it's scary. A lot of people in crypto, even the people who just got laid off, have probably lost a lot of money uh, recently, as have I. Um, but uh, I think also everyone that I talk to who works in the crypto space in the Web three space is as optimistic as ever about what's being built, about the direction that the industry is going, about the prospects for crypto, for Web three, for DAOs. Um, and so, I, I for one am not concerned, even though it's uh, uncomfortable to
1: go through a bear market like this.
0: Uh, what do you think, Sky?
1: Yeah. So yeah, market cycles are something that exists, I'm right? Sure and you've traditional financial markets and they happen probably way more extreme in the crypto markets and people that have been in the space for years have seen this before and they're you know they're all kind of expecting it um at the same time as this industry has become so much bigger as time has gone on you have lots of businesses that are dependent on the crypto market it's not just some like niche projects and niche people in the space you have like giant public companies and exchanges and funds daos and uh, crypto projects that all have been participating in this space and so treasury management and growth management and risk management from the fund side you know, we've, we've seen funds that have taken giant hits. Some funds have might've have gone under some businesses in the lending space have probably gone under, and then there's like risk of growth, hiring too many people, like expecting prices to continue to go up and business to continue to go up forever. That's always something that like the leaders need to make decisions about that or DAOs as collectives need to make decisions about that. And the, often, even in the traditional world, like people make mistakes and they always think things are going to happen. And so now, you know, some orgs are not as well prepared and they've hired too many people in their run, their runway or their burn is too high. And so it wasn't as bad as the, after the ICO boom, where everyone held everything in ETH in the crypto space and pretty much all the projects ran out of money. A lot of projects have either raised dollars in the least last few years, um, or they did raise crypto and they've practiced better smart treasury management or risk management. And so at the same time, Coinbase is laying off 18% of the people. Binance, who you know, has come out this week and didn't spend a lot of money on advertising and stadium naming rights. And like, you know, CZ is posting a tweet where Binance is hiring two thousand people. And now there's a bunch of other people in the space that are playing off of that. And actually DXDAO played off of that as well because DX has been thinking a lot about treasury risk management and, and diversified into uh, a, a, an amount of US dollars that was going to secure a runway based on kind of current rates for at least a few years. At the same time that some projects are hurting, there are projects in the space that are well positioned for this. So that's, that's what you get. And you will you'll find this in the, in the normal markets and as a stock market goes down, like that happens in the, in the business sector as well. That's awesome. And it, it's, it's, you must be really proud of DXDAO
0: for making um, a tough decision because when everything's going up, it's hard to move your money out of crypto.
1: Um, so that's, that's really smart. Exactly. And I actually used to work in foreign exchange and commodity risk management. So, like, this is something that I've always thought about, but I've been in situations where I, before the prior bear market, I worked at a project and everything was held in ETH. And when ETH went to $80, the project, which is building amazing stuff, like ran out of money, and that's very unfortunate.
0: Yep. Um, and the other thing that came up in this article was this this concept of growing too fast, and as a result, having to do layoffs, irrespective of market conditions. And uh, one of the things we'll talk a lot about on Just Dow it is how DAOs are like normal businesses. Right. Or whatever it is that they're replacing normal associations, normal governments and have all the same problems that those traditional organizations have. So I, I think that, you know, scaling too fast is probably something a lot of DAOs have done. And, and actually on another episode, we'll we'll talk about uh, MakerDAO having uh, challenges with um, growing too fast and, and running into some challenges. Uh, is that something you've seen, Sky, in the DAO uh, ecosystem as well?
1: generally most DAOs in the space are, have been, and still are, and have had trouble attracting as many contributors, active contributors as they actually want. So growth was already slower than most DAOs and orgs in the Web3 space probably wanted to be. And unless you were bringing people across from the Web2 space, and that's easier for someone like Coinbase, for web three native organizations like DAOs and real you know web three orgs finding the people whether they're devs business people marketing people there aren't as many as we already needed so people or orgs didn't scale probably as much as they would have if those people were available so it's i think it's less of a problem in the DAO space and and this also will cut out some of the fluff in the space you know some of these conferences there's all these projects and people that are just in it because it's like the new fad. And like, when it's a bear market, they'll leave the space and you, you'll get the real builders coming in. And so instead of calling it a bear market, we'll call it a builder market. Yeah,
0: yeah, be market build market. I like it. All right, next story is from CoinDesk. And the headline is the coming industrial revolution. Dows give humans a chance to build bigger, weirder things on totally radical timelines, just like the advent of the corporation paved the way for the industrial revolution. So, first of all, we love a good pun here at Just Dow It. So, the industrial revolution is a great one. And uh, secondly, I, I just I, I love the uh, the take that CoinDesk is taking on this. I absolutely think that DAOs are the next evolution in how humans organize themselves. And it goes even beyond just corporate forms. It goes back to agricultural revolution. It goes back to religion as a way of organizing humans on a large scale. And then it does lead to you know corporations and limited liability companies. And now DAOs are the next evolution in how humans organize ourselves and therefore really a way for humanity to evolve.
1: Yeah, definitely a new way to coordinate, which is the most exciting thing. We have had physical world examples of this with like co-ops, like your local grocery co-op, like it works really well. It's a great community, but that has to be like in your town or in your neighborhood where that grocery store is. And then we have credit unions, like which are banks that are kind of co-ops and those work really well as too, And like pass the profits on to the owners of the, you know, credit union or the, or the, or the cooperative. What we hadn't had is the ability to do that with people all around the world that Ex- that are spread out all over the world. You have had to be in the same place together. And so now with the internet, and then with the ability to have financial assets on the internet in, in crypto and digital assets, and then these new DAO coordination tools, you now have the ability to interact with and build things and manage money with and make decisions with people that are random handles on the internet, and you don't have to know them or trust them. And that's what DAOs and DAO frameworks and DAO tooling allow. And that's something that never existed before. And it's really only taken off in like the last couple of years. And so the fact that this exists now, like it's pretty much limitless and we'll see what
0: people can do with it. That's great. And speaking of limitless, the next headline is also from Coindesk. It is Pussy Riot, Political Action and the Future of DAOs. Uh, It has the name of a founder of the DAO, uh, has been using censorship resistant tools enabled by crypto to advance their messaging for social change. So what I think is really cool about this article is it's talking about how DAOs are censorship resistant and censorship resistance is one of the key features or capabilities of blockchain and cryptocurrencies at their core level. And what that means is it's hard for someone to stop someone else from using blockchain and crypto. So in particular, it's hard for a government to stop its people or any people from using crypto. And what's exciting about DAOs is DAOs extend censorship resistance to organizing people. Right. So if you think about, for example, a few months ago, we had the Canadian trucker protest. And if the audience hasn't heard of that, um, obviously um, Google it. Um, The uh, Canadian government took away the bank accounts of people who were protesting because uh, the government didn't like these protests. And one of the obvious things that they did Um, was they started using crypto like Bitcoin and Ethereum to be able to um, receive financial support and then spend that money on things like food and other supplies. I think what's really cool is next time that there is a Canadian trucker protest equivalent, now there's also a way for that group of people to organize themselves in a collective and make decisions and manage money as a group by starting a DAO. And so next time there's a Canadian trucker group or someone like it, right, they'll start a DAO, people will be able to donate money to that DAO, and then the DAO can decide collectively how to use the money, and no one will be able to stop them from doing it.
1: Yeah, the, the key piece of that is, do we have systems in the world that do not have centralized points that can be shut down or stopped? And so as long as we have access to the internet, anyone in the world can access the internet but if you were accessing the internet and then using communication and financial services that were dependent on central counterparties all of those can be censored and shut down and that's the way centralization works and that's that exists throughout the world and that's what our what our whole system is based on and so this new way that we are exploring is can you build systems that do not have centralized points so that you don't have centralized points of failure. And you need that for communication. And then you also need that for financial transactions and then also for organizing and coordination. And that is basically what blockchains and digital assets and these new tools allow. And so with access to the internet, people can now use these other systems where there is no centralized point and can coordinate and do everything we want to do. Uh, and not have to ask for anyone's permission. Yeah. Pussy Riot actually, she performed, uh, at an event, IRL, uh, event at MCON, uh, which is Metacartel's conference that happened last summer in Denver and kind of rallied around this whole idea. And I think that she saw that the crowd, the Dow crowd that was, that showed up there was really amazing and inspire her, inspired her to continue down that path. I, I know they were doing some stuff. Before that, but I think there's a big connection that came together uh, during that event, which is super cool.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And for those who don't know, MetaCartel, I think, is one of the first investment DAOs. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, MetaCartel Grants DAO is actually following Moloch DAO, which was to fund like ETH2 research. MetaCartel Grants DAO started in the heart of the bear market and was to fund all these projects and meta transaction projects and, and, UX ideas in the, in the crypto space to like make web three better has, has had money that has been giving out as grants for many, many years now. And Metacartel Ventures is a DAO that kind of spun out of that, that does investments into projects. And that is a, you know, venture DAO. So, and that, those two helped spur a lot of, uh, different ideas and whether it's on the investment side or the grants DAO that have, have come out of that. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you. It's it's awesome having you on on the on the pod. You know so much about about DAOs and the history of the space. It's it's great. Um all right. The next story, uh shifting gears a little bit, and also this one's from Cointelegraph. The headline is Nifty News, Lacoste's luxury Dow, and Bill Gates slams bored apes and more. Bill Gates has slammed quote unquote expensive digital images of monkeys. We've heard that before. While an NFT trader made a 921 ETH profit on a Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT overnight. So, a couple of things going on here. You know, one is Lacoste has uh, launched a series of NFTs, and those NFTs also represent uh, membership interest in a DAO. Uh, if anyone doesn't know Lacoste, that's a major uh kind of luxury brand. It's the it's the polo shirts and, and other clothes with the little alligator on it. Um, I think what's exciting about about this is I, I've been saying for the last several months that I, I think 2022 is the year that a lot of Fortune 500 companies are going to launch DAOs, and you know for example I I think there's going to be a Coca Cola DAO. And I don't have any inside information. I, I just think that, you know, and that Dow is not going to own Coca-Cola, right? It's not going to control the company. It's going to be a DAO for the community of people who love Coca-Cola and a place where they can organize themselves and do fun stuff together. Maybe Coca-Cola gives the DAO some money that they get to decide how to allocate something like that. And it sounds like Lacoste is one of the first companies who, who's actually doing something like that. Um, and the other part of the story is Bill Gates uh, slamming Board Apes, and and if you don't know, Board Apes are one of the first uh, what's called blue chip NFTs, basically an NFT project where both the NFTs are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars each, and as a result, the project is is worth billions of dollars, and uh, uh, each NFT is a. Um, a slightly different version of a uh, of an ape which i guess is a, is a form of monkey and and i think it's it's a kind of a common debate i hear people talking about in the crypto world and the web3 world is you know wh- what do we think about people buying and selling these overpriced JPEGs, basically, um, you know, is this really something that we should be enabling and spending our time on? Is there something wrong with it? Um, is this the future? So I, I think it's a, a discussion that's very much uh, always uh, ongoing. There's not necessarily any solution, but I, I think it's a very interesting one. Um, Sky, anything to to reflect on either of those uh, two stories?
1: So to the first point there, this is all very experimental. Um, this idea of digital scarcity and Dow tooling and things. And so I think what's going to happen in the, in the fortune, you know, the corporate world and the, in the fashion world is there are the brands that are already taking action. So there's the brands that are experimenting with web three, or then there's the brands that aren't yet, but will be experimenting with web three. Everyone will eventually experiment with web three and be a part of it. It's just a matter of, have you taken that step yet? And there are some that are at the forefront, like Budweiser and Adidas and And now Lacoste and a a big, some Gucci and some big, some of the big fashion brands. And a lot of those, a lot of those businesses are built on scarcity, especially in the fashion world, like physical scarcity, right? Like rare handbags and all that kind of stuff. And so if you understand scarcity, that's what blockchain and crypto has brought to the digital world. You can now have digital scarcity. And that's basically what NFTs allow, uh, unique scarcity. And so, yeah, if You know, this is now that this exists, it will always exist. And it's just a matter of, do you take advantage of this technology? The older people that take a longer time, or some of them will never understand digital scarcity and they just don't understand digital things. If you go talk to like anyone that's under 15, they all understand digital things and digital scarcity. And so eventually like this older crowd that just will never understand it will move away. And then. You'll have this upcoming, upcoming generations of people that will understand digital money and digital assets. And there will always be a place for people collecting things. And now you can collect really rare digital assets, but even more than that, these things aren't just things you collect, but they allow access and they let you be part of a community and you can form DAOs around these digital assets. And so this is all very new technology that will change the way things are done. Yeah.
0: And I think like overpriced JPEGs are just one of the use cases for NFTs too. Um, you can do almost anything with an NFT, right? It basically represents an ownership right of anything. It could be any digital thing. It could be any uh, real world physical thing and not just ownership rights, but fully programmable ownership rights, right? Just like crypto is is programmable money. Um, and so there's a lot more that we're going to, that people are working on in terms of NFTs, Um, But I I think it's a great point about just the generational shift. I mean, I also think about in 2010, when I was working on a Web2 startup, Facebook was about four years old and almost everyone my age, which would have been about 22, was on Facebook and almost everyone above 35 was like no, no way we'll use Facebook. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you ever want to do that? It just doesn't make sense. And then ten years later, literally everyone's using Facebook, <laughs> for better or for worse, right? I mean, almost everyone's on it. And if anything, especially older people now love Facebook uh, for whatever reason. And I think it's the same thing with NFTs and and di- digital goods. Let's say in general, it's just something that's going to take time to spread. And before too long. It'll just be obvious to everyone why digital scarcity is a real thing. Okay, next story is from Cointelegraph again. This headline is Data DAO Delphia Raises $60 Million Series A Led by Multicoin Capital. Decentralized autonomous organizations continue to gain traction. In the case of Delphia, retail traders will be rewarded for contributing their personal data. So I saw this as a, a bit of an exciting piece of news and then maybe a red flag as well, um, exciting that a DAO, another DAO has raised a lot of money, in this case, $60 million. Um, and the red flag is uh, people are being paid for their personal data. I think on one hand, if you're going to sell your personal data, probably better to sell it to a DAO where you presumably have some governance rights. But I'm also not sure that uh, selling your personal data to a DAO is, is necessarily going to be the right solution either. I, I think it it probably depends on exactly how they're planning on implementing that. You know, I've heard of exciting projects, for example, where you never really sell your personal data to one even decentralized organization, but you more um, create a record of all of your personal data that you yourself own. And then maybe you rent it out um, as a way to generate income as needed or in some situation. So possibly that's what they're working on. I'm not sure, but that was the red flag for me. Uh, What do you think, Sky?
1: Yeah, I I wasn't aware of Delphia, but I kind of looked at it very briefly. And Delphi is it seems like that's a company and they are like giving strategies for like stock management, stock trading like algorithms and things to like help you in the markets. What it sounded like is this DAO or this data DAO that they are creating alongside that is really just a new way to use DAO tooling and DAO mechanisms to organize and and coordinate among a group of people and these people that they want to be a part of that new system or that DAO, if it, if we call it a DAO, I don't know if it even exists yet, is a way to transfer those people's information for something in return, which is like maybe more governance or some earnings within that DAO ecosystem. But in order to like gather this data that to then use that, you know, good information to basically trade better in the stock market. And so like hedge funds and and financial players already do this. They like buy data from credit card companies and satellite companies. And you know, if they can get it directly from people, they could be, they could call and survey a lot of people on a telephones, but like, that's not scalable. So I think this DAO for data gathering seems like a new way to gather that information, which is basically just better information that other people don't have a tool to, to get that information and a DAO or a mechanism that's like a DAO, that has mass coordination with some incentive built in and some coordination is one mechanism to try that. But I don't, I don't, that's all I know about it. And I'm just kind of guessing on that, but it just shows the power of this new technology allows them to a company who who's trading stock market to do something brand new, to get information that was impossible to do before.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's really, really good insights. Thank you. Um, The next story is actually a tweet from Chase Chapman, whose name I hear a lot in the DAO ecosystem. And uh, the tweet is the following. Three assumptions that will kill your DAO. One, ambiguity creates emergence. Two, all work can be permissionless. And three, token holders know best. So I really like this tweet because I think it insightfully actually implies a lot of the culture that exists within DAOs today, and then also tries to uh, criticize some of the things that people tend to expect when they're in DAOs. And so I'm going to go through each of these and and describe a little bit more what I'm thinking about, and then um, Sky, I'll give you a chance to do the same. Um, So first of all, ambiguity creates emergence. I think what, there, what what Chase is talking about here is, in a lot of DAOs, you know, everyone goes in really excited to be part of a decentralized organization where no one's in charge, there's not a lot of structure, there's no rules, and therefore everyone's really excited and engaged. And, and so you kind of have this assumption, as he puts it, that productivity and success will emerge out of this total lack of clarity. And um, I think what people often find is that in fact, Structure is important and um, leadership is important, whether it's, quote unquote, centralized or just otherwise having some kind of a leadership direction, shared vision, et cetera. And so, you know, you can't just expect things to work out well just because things are disorganized. Um, You have to kind of balance the lack of centralization with some structure that will will allow people to succeed. So maybe actually let me stop at each one, Sky, and see if you want to reflect on that at all.
1: Yeah. Agree with you. Like, you can't just like put a bunch of people together and like no one does anything. And then everything like works because it's a DAO. It, d- it doesn't work like that. DAOs basically run on initiative without initiative, nothing happens. And when, and that's why DAOs work really well when lots of self starters, like people that would start companies instead of starting companies, they come participate in DAOs. And then you generally, as it becomes bigger and bigger, you have delegation or You can have natural leadership coming from different people in different areas, but it's all through their initiative. No one tells anyone else what to do in a DAO. Yeah. And you basically, you have to bring your own ideas. And without that initiative, the DAOs don't succeed. I guess initiative is like the key word in that whole space, I think.
0: So the second assumption that will kill your DAO is all work can be permissionless. So, you know, I think to to build on what Sky was just talking about in terms of people taking initiative, you know, I, I have also seen in a number of DAOs where you kind of uh, say, OK, well, here's something that needs to be done. Now, anyone feel free to go ahead and do it. And I think that that's another kind of like beautiful idea if it could work. But the problem is what happens when someone who sucks at doing that thing <laughs> takes on the task and does the thing badly? You know? And then you kind of look stupid for saying anyone go ahead and do it. I think uh, that that's a it's a real challenge. I see a lot of DAOs grappling with is how can you again maintain some of the fun of of being a little bit less structured with making sure that you know people uh, actually do things well in the right way and that you only have qualified people doing certain things.
1: Yeah, D- DAOs need to get really good at delegation. So, especially things that are creative, whether it's like writing articles, managing the Twitter account. So be a real DAO, you need these tools to be able to be owned by the DAO because the DAO can via consensus delegate powers to different people that that, that the DAO thinks will be good at these things. But then the DAO really needs the ability to take back that access. And so if it, for example, and Twitter is a bad example, but we can maybe for a a forum, like a web three forum or a, a media tool, where it can say these three people and actually on chain do a proposal to grant admin access to these three contributors that can write the articles and publish them. But if for some reason they aren't doing a good job, the DAO can remove that admin access from those people's uh, personal wallets and delegate it to someone else. And so delegation to and being able to take delegation away is actually one of the most important things in the DAO tooling world. And most DAO tooling is actually not doing that yet. And we continually tell everyone that's building DAO tooling that the DAO needs to own the overall account and be able to give and take back the admin access, basically. Cool. And the third
0: uh, assumption that will kill your DAO is token holders know best. So I think this is another good one because a lot of a lot of people starting DAOs are, again, kind of saying, well, let's just give everyone some tokens and then we'll let them vote. And because we have the wisdom of the crowd um, and maybe the people who care the most or know the most bought the most tokens, the token holders will make the right decisions. And again, I think actually, um, while the ability to do voting at scale and permissionlessly and at an extremely low cost is a major innovation in how we organize people It's not enough just to say, "Well, we'll give people a vote, and then people will make the right decisions." Right? There's a lot more to it when you want to form an organization that achieves some
1: particular purpose. Uh, Anything to add on that one? Yeah, I, I think as a community or a DAO, your goal for the success of that community is to get governance power or voting power into the hands of the people that would benefit your DAO the most, and That can be the people that are the most active. That can be the people that have the most knowledge or experience. And so most of the DAO and DeFi space is based on liquid token governance. Most of the DAOs that I'm a part of, um, DXDAO uses non-transferable reputation-based governance. Uh, DAO framework uses non-transferable share-based governance. And so, okay, these may be more permission because you can't just go buy tokens. The DAO has to give this governance power to new people that are contributing value, or they could be good governors of this system. But the DAO actually is deciding how to distribute that and grow that. And that is not just this open free market. Like if I can go and buy, you know, 40% of the tokens of a DeFi protocol out there, I can basically decide what happens because I have a lot of money. And then everyone else who has a f- some fewer amount of tokens, like doesn't really care because their voice doesn't matter anyway. That doesn't work. And we see, we're seeing more and more and Vitalik will back this, that like liquid token, straight liquid token governance is not very effective. And so people are experimenting with delegation with, um, soulbound tokens with, with, uh, yeah, non-transferable earned reputation and your web three profile and how to get governance power in the hands of the community members that would actually like bolster your project the best. And it's not something that we have the answer to, but there's a lot of people working on it. And then there's a lot of DAOs that have been doing things like this for a while. And, and we can learn from everything that they've done basically. Awesome. Thanks guy.
0: All right. We are going to transition to the next uh, section of the podcast, which is the just Dow it guest interview. And of course today we're interviewing sky. So, um, Sky, would you please tell the audience a bit about your background and how you ended up at DXDAO? Specifically to
1: DXDAO, I, I'd say that I've, I was hanging around the, uh, the bear market or builder market in 2019 after having worked in the space in the you know, year and a half prior to that, as things were kind of booming. And in the bear market or the builder market, like not a lot of jobs were there and, you know, non dev things. And so that's when I got into the DAO space, uh, started contributing to MetaCartel. And at the, around the same time, I actually heard uh, Martin Koppelman from Gnosis speak about this idea of, of DX DAO and how it was being launched and it was going to govern the decks that the, the team there, the Dutch exchangers, the team there had created, but they realized very early, early on that a, a product that's in the, you know, web three space that was controlled by a company is not decentralized. And so you basically ha- couldn't have a DeFi product. I mean, DeFi didn't exist back then, but a decentralized product if it was governed by a company. And so DXDAO is actually spawned. And when I heard what, one of the things that really stood out is Martin Koppelman, when he, when he referred to it, he was saying that it was designed in tandem with stack, It stack, the, the structure was designed to basically scale, to become potentially one of the biggest organizations in the world. And like, when you thought about that, that was fascinating. And, and, and there was an upcoming launch period for it, where you could stake and you could participate to get some governance power in DXDAO. And so I did that. And. That's basically how I discovered it. Um, and it, you know, it functioned for a little bit, but then it kind of like went in hibernation for a while and then it had a reemergence in, uh, 2020. And that's when, uh, things got exciting I started building products and managing those and owning the products and, and things from there. Um, but that's how I originally discovered DXDAO. Yeah. Interesting. What was your background before, uh, you got involved with DAOs in the first place? Yeah. So I worked in the financial markets, mainly in the commodity space. So, uh, when, when crypto came along and and Bitcoin, the idea without really understanding what it was for me, it was just a digital commodity. I still think it's a digital commodity. Um, I worked in the financial markets and then I worked in the tech startup world, but yeah, then when I, when I was doing crypto for fun a lot on the side, I decided that I should just work in the, in the crypto space and I, and I just dove into it yeah, in, in like late 17, early 18. Awesome. Very cool.
0: Um, so tell us more about the history of DXDAO. So you mentioned uh, how it got started, but what was it like in the early days? And uh, maybe you could tell us more about that hiatus, like what happened there and how did it get started again?
1: Yeah. So after it had uh, had launched and existed, you basically had an, an on-chain mechanism that uh, could do decentralized governance. And it had about 430 people with voting power in the DAO, but because Dutch exchange, the original exchange, which Gnosis gifted to it, didn't really get much traction, didn't work. You had this DAO, but it wasn't doing anything. So unlike almost every other, you know, DAO in the space, which is like starts as a team and they want to become a DAO and they have to progress to progressive decentralization from a small company. DXDAO was actually the opposite. It was a DAO from the start, and then it had to figure out what to do. It had to figure out how to raise money. It had to figure out how to get contributors. It had to figure out what it could do in the space that it could uh, do well, what products it should build and how to manage those. And And it's always had core principles um, of trying to do things in a truly decentralized manner. and the. Yeah, I think the reason for that is we already have tons of centralized systems and all different types of them in the real world. And a lot of, you see all the problems that exist with centralized systems. And we don't have very very many examples of ones that are built on decentralization and transparency and permissionlessness. And so DXDAO has been for now a few years trying to build on the extreme end of that decentralization spectrum as a true proper on-chain DAO and using the tools that allow it to coordinate in that way. And it's open to anyone in the world. You know, anyone in the world can make a proposal to the DAO. Anyone can participate, contribute value and start earning governance power in VXDAO. Um, and so it's, yeah, that's, it's kind of a big experiment. And it's, it it likes to set that example of Stay on the extreme edge of decentralization, and so others who are kind of in the middle or like not decentralized that much can at least see some examples of of this happening and working, and can either move that way or also try to contribute to that and and take some of the things that are are that are being learned uh, in that experiment.
0: You know, when I'm giving people examples of DAOs, they should check out DXDAO is an example I always give of like a real, truly decentralized DAO. And to expand a little bit on what you were saying, you know, one of the reasons for that is a lot of DAOs are, they say they're on the path to decentralization. Um, And oftentimes what you have is basically a Discord server and a multi-sync. And if anyone doesn't know what a multisig is, it's basically a a account on the blockchain that's controlled by, say, five or seven uh, people or wallets that have to vote, basically majority vote to approve a transaction. And so you may have a community of 10,000 people, but really seven people are in charge of the money um whereas with DXDAO you have to go through the actual on-chain proposal process and have people in the community who hold reputation vote anytime you're going to um, act on the treasury or, or spend money um and and actually not a lot of DAOs have made it that far yet so I agree with you that it's absolutely a, a shiny example of of what people are working towards
1: yeah and part of the thing is Decentralization. So we've already discussed it, like points of centralization are points of failure. And so anything that has these centralized points and that's, you have a token and you vote somewhere, but it doesn't actually action or mean anything. What it matters is what the five of seven people on the multi-sig. If they take, if they choose to implement what that signal vote was, and that is a, like a, a, a centralized point in that system that could fail. What we've had so far is we haven't had so many examples of, of scenarios where there's a massive conflict because of these centralized points of contact. And that's mainly because it, it only matters when it matters. It matters. It doesn't matter that much in the U S cause like everything works. So it's like, if it's centralized and some guy has a bank account, like it's fine, but in, in other parts of the world or in extreme scenarios that are stressed when centralized points can be either attacked or censored or shut down, the whole system will break. So you have to build your systems with that in mind and make them decentralized from the beginning for them to be truly, uh, unstoppable and c- censorship resistant. And we don't have too many examples of where that matters yet, but we, I think, especially in extreme, you know, stressed markets and communities where there's contentious votes and things, you will start to have situations where the community wants one thing and the multi-sig holders or the small team or the founders like decide to do something else. And there's nothing you can do about it as a token holder. You actually have, your say does not matter. It's just like a feeling rather than action and proper on chain DAOs. If you have voting power, your say actually matters. And so that's, that's a big difference there.
0: I think part of the reason also that we haven't seen a lot of issues with that particular centralized point of failure or or any is that DAOs are so new. I mean, there's really no data that's available from before last year, but my sense is two, two and a half years ago, there were probably a hundred DAOs ever. And then you fast forward to a couple years ago, maybe there were a few hundred and at beginning of last year, maybe a thousand. And now I think there's at least tens of thousands, if not more. Um, But uh, I think that's part of it too, is that, um, you know, there's not that much time has gone by. So not that many have failed yet, but give it another couple of years and we'll have some really good examples.
1: Yeah. And the decentralized path is harder. So when it comes to like doing something, you can either take the easy path or the hard path or the better path or the worst path and as of now most people are taking some compromise like you know and and all everyone does some compromise it's a matter of how much compromise but to keep those core principles in the back of your mind and build based on those i think is really important because in the future it's going to actually matter a lot
0: all right so going back to dxdao um tell us a little bit more about what are the products that dxdao offers and how is the organization
1: structured around them yeah so DXDAO kind of has been uh, built, like well, creating, building, and owning products in the DeFi space. That's kind of its goal. Um, the The powerful thing about DXDAO is this vision of having a suite of DeFi products. Most entities in the space like have one product. like They only have an AMM, and they just build that, and they improve that, and they make that really good there's a there's something to be said for having a suite of 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 DeFi products and so um the products that dxdao's like main focus on now is swapper.eth which is a which is a dex uh an amm in the DeFi space it's on uh mainnet arbitrum and on gnosis chain and then we also have uh one of the flagship products for a while for dxdao has been omen which is a prediction market platform It's, it's really the only permissionless and truly decentralized permit prediction market platform. You know, prediction markets have been talked about in the, in the web three space for many, many years. People have believed in them for a very long time. They have never really gotten the traction and have never really taken off the way that people thought they could. That's not to say that they won't in the future, but it's very, very hard. Um, there's different mechanisms you can do. Cause they can have order books. They like each prediction market trades like a market. They can have order books. Omen uses kind of an AM, an internal AMM within the prediction market platform. And in that case you need liquidity providers, but providing liquidity on things like prediction markets that end in zero one are also, is also really risky. So you need professionals doing that. So omen exists. You can check it out, omin.eth. Um, It's permissionless. You can make markets, you can provide liquidity. You can, you can experience those markets. Um, but it's not, it's kind of sitting on the side right now um, as not one of the primary primary f- focuses for DX DAO. Um, Part of it is lack of dev uh, capacity right now. Uh, so, Swapper, the DEX is a focus. Um, our own governance systems, which we're building for ourselves. And then we think that DAOs, more DAOs will need this in the future uh, under our DX Gov squad is a big focus, and DXVote.eth is the front end to our governance. Um, And then we also have a a focus on our new kind of community incentive platform, which is carrot.eth, which is results-based basically token creation. And so you can create tokens that have conditions built on those. And when the condition happens, uh, the, the payout changes dynamically. And so that's kind of related to prediction markets, but we've made a simple platform that communities can use specifically for that. And we released the MVP. We use that in DeFi farming on a regular basis. We've used it for awareness, uh, results-based awareness mining uh, as a campaign with Carrot in Amsterdam. And we will be releasing the one soon. And that opens up the opportunity to to use it more among lots of different communities and for more use cases. Um, And then, yeah, there's a whole, other line of products that are in the, 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 the goal suite of DXDAO, but really the prioritization has had to focus on these three that I mentioned. Um, and then we have like, we, with capacity, we could, we could build the other ones as well. Uh, and then the idea is once you have this suite of DeFi products, you have this, these interactions between these, we have customers or users of these products that can get the benefits Uh, between all of them um, and use them as a, as a suite rather than just a single product. Wow.
0: That's amazing. Um, I'm actually not familiar with any other DAO that manages even that many DeFi products. So maybe they're out there, but either way, it's pretty unique.
1: Yeah. I would say Sushi, right. Sushi has like an ecosystem of products and they've, you know, they all have weird names. So it's a little hard maybe to realize that they have that, they have had that goal. They, you know, There are lots of chains. I think that you, I don't know who owns most of the deployments that are on those chains and things. So I think it seems like there's a lot of centralized points of failure within that ecosystem, but they do have this growing suite of, of products that is the closest thing I've seen to, um, the idea of like a suite of, of DeFi products. Cool. Interesting. So what are some of the growing pains
0: and challenges that DXDAO has experienced that our listeners may be able to learn from?
1: So staying at the edge of decentralization while you're building is always a challenge. So far, because we're figuring this out, I say um, decision-making and act taking action and building and all of the things that a community needs to do to um, to progress and build, like end up being currently a little slower in in the DAO world compared to like a team of five people with a tech startup. However, we think that like as the UX and the systems get better, that that like uh, uh, drawback will kind of disappear. And the way the system's set up, it's actually built so you could have hundreds or even thousands or potentially tens of thousands of contributors. And no other like companies can't organize like that. And so at the end of the day, we think that, that DAOs could potentially do more and move faster than traditional small companies and things as well. So that's yeah that, that's something we need to improve on. Um, and then the other big thing, which I've mentioned in the beginning, I think was like lack of, uh, lack of resources and talent just in this, in the web three space, we need, um, You know, finding the senior Web3 engineers is very hard. Every community, every project needs more of these and, and marketing people and business people and, you know, you name it. And so attracting people and from either the Web3 space or from outside the Web3 space into the Web3 space is one of the things that is uh, a challenge for all DAOs and all projects in our, in our space, I would say
0: and by the way earlier you mentioned that contributors earn reputation tokens but i want to make sure that the listeners know that contributors also get paid in liquid tokens that they can sell for for dollars or whatever they need so you know certainly if if people are in that space they should they should reach out to you right
1: yeah exactly so dxdao and and a lot of dao's like have have treasuries right and if they've practiced good treasury management they probably have dollar you know dollar based crypto tokens most projects have their native token as well, and then they have their governance system. And so, uh, DXDAO has, you know, for the last few years kind of pioneered and helped define, like, we call it like worker guidelines or contributor guidelines, some framework that makes it easy so that when you contribute to a DAO, cause you can, you can, you can propose anything you want to contribute to the DAO, but like, it's very hard if people say, this is what I want to do. And like, how do they come up with the amount of money that they should, Get be rewarded with or how much governance power. So we created some guidelines for, for contributors and contributors. These are very transparent. We've had other communities in the space. Um, there's a DAO that's like people ops DAO, which is kind of like HR with, from DAOs. And they're all it, talking to each other. Um, and there are a lot of, some of their DAOs have used the like principles and framework that we've uh, published out there to help guide some of the decisions they're making in their own communities. But yeah, Like, yeah, the DX DAO does pay for, you know, contribute for contributions, pays in dollar stable tokens. And then also DXD is the native token. And there's a kind of a, a vesting period for those to align interest between contributors and the DAO itself. And then you can also earn governance power in the DAO, which is your voting power, basically. Cool. So we're getting low on time, so we're going to do a couple lightning
0: round questions and then we'll get to uh, some closing and make sure people know how to find you in DxDAO. Um, So first lightning round question is, um, do you have any favorite tools that you might recommend to people starting and operating DAOs?
1: Yeah, I actually thought about this already, but uh, so most important tool like public permissionless blockchains. So. You know ethereum is our our most important tool but we also use other blockchains in the space um we use gnosis chain we have a base there and we also use um arbitrum as a layer two right now but we're open to other chains in the space as well and then like the next tool is the governance contracts that actually govern and own the treasury of the dao are the most are very important so these are like the prime building blocks of daos like this is not like some new tool that some company just started making last year. These are like the things that allow the DAO to exist. Um, The other most important probably thing is ENS, right? So DXDAO very uniquely in the space, all of its products are actually owned by the actual DAO. There is no like, you know, GoDaddy account, right? If you want to go trade on Swapper, you go to Swapper.eth. Swapper.eth is an ENS owned by DXDAO's treasury. And the only way to update the front end on Swapper.eth is by a proposal by the DAO. So you know that that is the DAO's front end and it's private, it's decentralized, it's permissionless, anyone can use it. But there are some weak points because if you don't resolve to ENS yourself, you need you might need to, you know, count on some other service. And so a lot of people have heard of like ETH.link, where you go to swapper.eth.link, but we've actually been leaning into eat.limo so the best way to access Swapper is like swapper.eat.limo. And it's this decentralized service that basically can redirect you to the front end, which, which sits on IPFS. Um, and the team there is doing some amazing things. And like, this is just the start of basically allowing, we, we want more DAOs to basically actually do what DXDAO is doing, own the front ends themselves, like govern it via a uh, proposal um and actually make this a uh, uh, like not have to count on centralized front ends that are like in owned by a company in New York and things like that. That's awesome. And uh, also lightning rounds.
0: one piece of advice for people starting DAOs today. I'd say
1: starting DAOs, like your community is the most important thing. So without worrying about like what tools and what frameworks and like, how to give out your token. You want to find your community that has this shared interest and you can start coordinating on, you know, a chat group and you will know when it's time for you to take the step to actually become more of a, or dao your community and become more of a DAO. There are tools out there, you know, there'll be vote tools that make it really easy. Um, Dow House has uh, tooling based on Malik Dows, and then there's obviously Gnosis Safe and Multi Sigs, which are kind of uh, easy, uh, maybe shorter-term solutions for your DAO. But when your community needs to like make big decisions, either manage uh, capital together and make important decisions on chain in a in a transparent, censorship way, you will you will you will realize that, and then you can take those steps and you can reach out to different communities or DX DAO and we can help with that. Um, but yeah, that's like, you're com- starting with your community and your, your aligned goals is probably the most important thing. Awesome. Um,
0: Sky, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Where can people find you DX DXDAO on the web and
1: on social? Find me on Twitter at S-M-I-N-E-R-T. Uh, and then for DXDAO, the best place is dxdao.eth. go to, go to that ENS, you will find our home, uh, our home world with our manifesto, all of the things we're working on our products links to like DX docs, if you're a developer, where you can have, where we have our open roles, uh, where you can contribute, um, and a lot of the, the ideas and principles that govern DXDAO and our community. Awesome. And you can all find me
0: on Twitter at the Thriller, and then an underscore. Again, Sky, it's been amazing having you. Thank you so much. And to the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Just DAO it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just DAO it does not contain any legal or financial advice. My DAO also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.